such a good noise it's we were doing that noise. on super crappy this week i was eating trail mix and chewing it and swallowing it and pissing everyone off it was a lot of fun sounds great it was great are we on are we we're on we're on, we're on. We're on. We're on. Yes. hey hello welcome to i like to movie movie yes movie movie my name is dan scully my name is garrett smith and tonight uh we have a great movie one of the all-time greatest we're going to be talking about uh john carpenter's the thing the thing it's one of my favorite movies ever it's and it's it's a hell of an example of a movie movie and I would like to start by saying this is my favorite of the late seventies early eighties uh, power remakes of nineteen fifties monster flicks. Yeah, name a few. It was uh, we had Invasion of the Body Snatchers was remade with uh, Jeff Goldblum. We had The Fly, which was remade with Jeff Goldblum, <laughs> and we had The Blob that was remade with uh, Drama from Entourage. So it's uh, <laughs> and all of them were superior uh, versions of their original, where they took a monster and decided to do something bigger with it and take the fear away from the monster and put the fear into the story itself yes and the thing is probably the best example of all of them hell yeah of creating something absolutely I mean, the, horrifying the creature in the thing is uh is well all right so this is i like to movie movie this is a podcast where yes. we talk about what we call movie movies uh movie movies are uh, are stories that could only be told on the screen that couldn't really exist uh, in fact funnily enough a couple of movies including this one that we've talked about do exist in other formats absolutely uh but the are best served by the medium yes. that they chose i yes. think is the way to go yes. and and utilize every ounce of that medium indeed and, and uh, uh i i always think of the thing as one of the best examples of movie movie storytelling absolutely uh, absolutely it, it is visual to the the highest degree in fact it uh practical effects i think are at their peak in this movie absolutely uh, i don't think we've really seen better practical effects before or since it's still my favorite Not at all actually i think effects. some of the best practical effects that rival the thing come in the form of the fly and the yes. blob yes and this was such a prime time uh when was the the thing was 80 86 i want to oh, say i don't fucking know but yeah somewhere right around there. Ladies, that, yeah. ladies it's uh, it's in the 80s and and this is when practical effects were were used for everything, yes. and there was such a thirst for horror movies because, uh, I mean, honestly, a lot of it kicked off with John Carpenter himself with yes. Halloween in the late 70s. We had The Exorcist. We had things like that, and people were hungry for horror. People are always hungry for horror, mm -hmm. but there was definitely a peak there when, and maybe it's just my age as being a child of the 80s and 90s, it's uh, that that's where the roots of everything that scares me is from. I mean, oh, yeah. that's where Freddie came from, where Jason came from, Michael Myers and all that. Chucky. And my Chucky. <laughs> oh, yes. But my favorite is not killers. My favorites are always and always have been monsters. Monster movies. And um, the thing is, uh, is, is a monster movie to the max. It's, yeah. uh, it's but to your, to your point that you started the podcast with the best part about this movie is that as scary as the monsters are, mm -hmm. as cool as they are, you know, they're scary. They're frightening. They look really awesome. Uh, the scariest thing about this movie is the people. Absolutely. Uh, it is the people. And that that's a good monster movie is is a, a lens. It's a mirror where we look at ourselves. I compared to when we were watching it, The Mist. Yes. Which is a great Stephen King story, a fantastic adaptation into a movie. And the monsters in that are not scary. It's the people that you are trapped with in the grocery store that exactly. turn on each other. And so that's another thing that I, I think draws a lot of fear for this movie. Um 
We should start with the setting. It's it's an outpost. Yes. There's no function to it that we know of. No. It's just a group of dudes that are at this, uh, I guess it's Antarctic. It's in Antarctica. Antarctic outpost. Yep. It's just in the middle of fucking nowhere. It's a science facility of some kind. Of some but sort. But we figured out, we were like watching, we got halfway through it, and I was like, wait a second. Wh- what are they wh- doing? Why are they there? <laughs> it's the only thing that they ever say is it's an outpost. Yeah. We don't know what their deal is, but you know that's that's fine because the whole point of it is they're trapped. There's no way in. There's no way out. Yep. The only way to get out of where they are is to wait until their ride comes to pick them up. And yep. we're not given a time frame as to when that is. No. So w- it exists in a bubble. I would like to point out one of the things that always fascinated me about this movie is, um, and I am not going to remember, there's so many characters I'm not going to be able to remember his name. Palmer, I think, the uh, the stoner guy, mm-hmm. right? Uh, he's smoking weed at one point in the movie, clearly. And it just made me wonder, like, how did he did they allow him to have weed and how much did they allow him to have did he smuggle a shitload of weed up there like they're clearly there for a long time oh, he's yeah. smoking joints like it well they came prepared i mean they obviously had canned goods they mentioned canned goods they a lot have of a alcohol, fuck ton of booze they have a blood supply which yeah. you know which is important yes, you know in yes. case you need a blood transfusion there's a pilot there's a uh, doctor. Yep. There's a token black guy. Yeah. There's uh, there's everything. Everything yes. you need to survive. There's a guy there. that's apparently just a cop. There, there's a cop. He's <laughs> just kind of security. And um, what is McCready? He's a uh, he's a helicopter pilot. Yeah, he's a helicopter pilot. He's your he's your Kurt Russell. You need one of those <laughs> when you're trapped in the Antarctic. And so uh, I guess we should just start. The movie yeah. opens uh, rather big and kind of in something that seems out of the genre. It's just a spaceship crashing. Yes. Just Earth spaceship crashes, and that's all we see. And yeah. we will find that this is not something that takes place in the present day. This takes place, uh, what was it, 200,000 years prior? Yeah. Now, I, I seem to remember, and I don't know if this is... thousand years, there it is. Uh, I don't there know if this is entirely true, because I can't remember where I heard this, if it was on the DVD commentary or something. I don't think that that shot was in the original theatrical cut. Okay. I don't think it, it, my memory is. I remember reading this somewhere that it do, it did not open with that space, spaceship crash. Mm-hmm. So, which really, if you think about it, like I like that opening for it. But if you think about going into this movie, if that scene wasn't there, you've got about twenty minutes before you know what the hell is going on, and oh, you yeah. still don't entirely know just because you see the spaceship crash. But that gives you some indication that some you know that something's coming whereas if that shot's not there you don't know what the fuck you're watching oh yeah anything can happen yeah and uh, and that's key too because uh i think most movies especially horror movies have an audience surrogate yes we have a person that is experiencing it and getting the exact same amount of information as we're all getting yep and that for us in this movie is not just one person it's it's pretty much everybody yeah it's like 16 Um, people because there's i mean kurt russell is arguably the star he's the the name actor but at the same time Whereas he gets a lot of screen time, you know, he's not in every scene. We see scenes without him, and they're key. They're integral to the plot. Right. What I like about that spaceship opening is that when you see that happen, you just think present day or you think yeah. future. And no, that is that is 100,000 years yeah, old. Yeah. We find out later when they age this creature. And what, yes. what's amazing about that is that says to me how advanced this creature is. Absolutely. And it's so much more advanced than us that before we were at all really civilized, it was sitting and waiting. Yeah, and it wants and needs for nothing. If it was able to survive 100,000 years in ice, right? Like, mm-hmm. it, it wants and needs for nothing. It's a completely sentient virus. Yep. It wants to spread and has no desire to... It doesn't feed. Right. doesn't do anything like that. It just replicates. Yeah. And so we have... Uh, the movie opens after that with 
a nameless, faceless helicopter chasing after a dog and trying to shoot it. A nameless, faceless dog, and they're shooting it from the helicopter, trying to kill it, and it crosses into the uh, outpost where our characters are. Indeed. And so for them, this is uh, an odd occurrence. And they, uh, I believe they, uh, the helicopter crashes. Yeah, yeah. I forget how that happens. I don't remember if they shoot it down. I think or... they shoot it down. Yeah. But either way, uh, the one guy goes to shoot the dog, shoots one of the men in our camp, and they kill him. So there's no information for them. It's just this dog. And yep. dogs are cute, so why not trust a dog? Well, I love that there's a character, uh, and again, I have so much trouble remembering all the characters' names in this, but there's the big burly guy that takes care of the dogs. Mm-hmm. And one of my favorite subplots in the movie is it's like a, an unspoken subplot, but he like really loves dogs. He loves the dogs. He's, yeah, he's really into but the dogs. But he's the first person to witness the thing. Yes. Um, what well, we discover the thing is in some way um, because we've... Uh, well, what do we have here in my notes? Um, well, I think there's a little bit before we get to discovering oh, yeah, the, the, the thing. The thing isn't even a thing yet. We've yeah. just got the dog. We're getting... <laughs> I mean, it's a thing. <laughs> uh, we're, the dog is in the camp. He's... Uh, you know, just and they have other dogs there. Yeah, yeah. And so it's just they figure, oh, it's another outpost. Something happened. Uh, oh, that's what it is. Don't they go investigate the other outpost? They do. Not, not quite yet. But the, the I think the suggestion is cabin fever's a bitch. Yes. You know, these guys were up there. Something ha- probably happened. Yeah. Now they're driving around their helicopter, shooting at dogs, fucking yeah, maniacs. Yeah. Whatever. You know that that could it won't happen to us. We got enough booze. We got enough of that. Yeah, yeah. And um. We should start by saying we should start. We're in it. <laughs> we should we should definitely start by pointing out um, the intro to McCready. Oh yes, uh, Kurt Russell's badass character is him playing a extremely dated uh, like Commodore sixty four version of uh, computer chess. Yes, and he's on, playing on a com- computer specifically designed for chess. For chess, it, not, I believe it's no called app. the Chess Master. Yes, the Chess Master computer. It's a Dell, and it's a. Uh, <laughs> It's just you know it's just funny because it's such old technology. When oh, I you love watch old it now. technology in movies. But either way, he's playing it. He's got his, his he's getting his scotch on, and the computer checkmates him. And his response is to open up the computer and throw his scotch in because if he can't win, well, neither can the computer. Yes. And this says almost everything you need to know about McCready. I mean, I think it tells you every like pretty much everything. everything you need to know about him. His function is he's just a survivor. Yep. And um he does not really care about uh he's down to down with self-sacrifice as yep. long as it's just whatever. And if he can't uh if he can't beat the house, he'll take the house down with him. Exactly. That's that's the perfect phrase for yeah. it. That's exactly what I'm trying to say. Yeah. And um it's interesting because he has to delay this this urge throughout the entire running time of the movie. Yes, because he can't he can't just burn it down no. because he's there with all of his friends. Well, and he's got to uh, as as we were discussing, he's got to play a game of chess. Absolutely. Before he's got to get to the point where there's an actual checkmate mm. before he's willing to burn it down. Yes, he will absolutely play. Yeah, and that's the thing you can tell he's been playing against that computer for a long time. Yes, he's had enough. Yes. He's realized I can't beat it. Yeah, so let's just fucking break it. Yep. And um and another thing that I would love to point out is these guys are drunk throughout the whole movie. Yes, they are. This movie takes place over the course of a day and a half. Yeah, I something would say, like that. Yeah, very very quickly, and uh, they're hammered the whole time. Yeah, because I would be too. They're if constantly it was, uh, drinking. Yeah, 
they uh, and and I guess, I guess one of the interesting things about the the beginning is the dog is like a sort of a central figure for the first like 10 15 minutes of the movie mm-hmm. there are a lot of shots of the dog wandering around the outpost mm-hmm. and it's really I love the way Carpenter shoots it all because he gives you these scenes where you're just seeing the dog or you're seeing the dog kind of in relation to some of the other characters mm-hmm. you're not seeing the characters in relation to the dog so like the dog is for some strange reason a focus of Carpenter's camera absolutely uh, and, and the dog's kind of gathering information if you you know you don't know that it's a thing yet right. but it is and it's yes. gathering information and not only is it gathering information but as it follows around it's introducing us to each character yes. at least each pertinent character not the expendable ones yeah, that yeah, yeah. are soon about to start falling off the radar well what's interesting about it is if you think about it from the perspective of seeing it for the first time where you don't know that the dog is a thing you start to get this unsettling feeling regardless mm-hmm. because the characters i mean sorry the cameras for some reason hanging on this dog mm-hmm. it's and, more than a dog in a way yeah but you don't know yet exactly but you feel that i think Absolutely. in the way he uses his camera with, with, and there's with the, the mystery dog. as to why were these guys trying to kill this yeah. dog and why was it running from them yeah you know and, it's, uh, and then they add a layer to that mystery for us by sending mccready out to the uh the other camp yes and what i think's funny is that their first supposition is oh these are norwegian guys like the the helicopter has norwegian on it they go ah maybe we're at war with norway yeah oh yes and that is a the great whole, line the whole uh it shows you once again show don't tell yeah it shows you they've been there a long time oh yeah they don't know they are cut the fuck off from yeah. the world entirely and they're a so little any problem that about arrives, things now oh, yeah you know? they yeah. gotta be it, yeah. and it's only them it's really them versus the world because that's yeah. all they have yep we can communicate but that's it mm-hmm. and this is in the days of chess master computers so we yeah. can't just fire a text off oh uh, you know what i just realized what's so great about that them being like oh maybe we're at war with norway and they like shrug it off you know because they are so disconnected that war is not going to affect them mm-hmm. the funny thing is they're so disconnected the rest of the world doesn't know that they're saving the world yes which is essentially what they're doing as this movie goes on absolutely yeah and that's and that's it's the, that's the task that Kurt Russell takes. Yeah. That is the chess game when he realizes that if they do not stop this, the yeah. entire world is at stake. Yeah. And it's unstoppable. And they're really the first and last line of defense. If it yep. goes beyond them, it's over. Yep. And it's, uh, you know, it's, it, we're, we're as a world very lucky that this dog went to their camp. Yes. Because the the previous camp we're not going to talk about the fucking prequel that yeah, garbage yeah, 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 yeah. but the previous camp if we don't if this movie exists in a bubble they were the first and last line of defense yes. so we lucked out yeah. that this camp even exists yeah and um yeah so we sent him we send him up to uh up to the uh the, the Norwegian the Norwegian camp outpost. and there was an interesting uh uh soundtrack choice here uh, they use uh, Superstitious. Oh, yeah, 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 that's uh, right. Stevie Wonder's Superstitious, which is brilliant. Yeah. Because this whole movie is about what do we believe? Do yeah. we believe this? Do we believe that? And we have men here that are essentially men of science yeah. that don't want to believe in something as ridiculous as an alien invading right. their camp. So they're going up to this camp with the idea of let's go see what these batshit Norwegians did yep. and what caused them to all, you know, uh, shoot at this dog. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I love that that's like the the thing too. Yeah, that's the thing. I love that... Uh, We're going to do that a million times. In discussing this off the air, we keep going, the thing is, and then <laughs> it's the thing. <laughs> Uh, I, I love that uh, the dog becomes such a focus for them. I mean, the camera hangs on it so much as an audience, you're curious. But like, I try and think about it practically, and I'm like, would you really be so curious that you went to track down the other camp while they were shooting at a dog? Oh, yeah. I, I probably wouldn't. <laughs> yeah, I don't I'd think be I would care. Like, Maybe we could teach the dog tricks. Yeah. <laughs> 
And uh, it does some pretty cool tricks. They're just dangerous <laughs> to humans. So we visit the, the Norwegian camp, and on a technical level, this scene is wildly effective oh, because awesome. of practical effects. Uh, once again, you're going to find no CGI in this movie. It's practical nope. effects, and it's wildly tangible and accessible. And we find this Norwegian camp has been breached. Yes. Everything is frozen. Everything's broken down. And the way that they show that is there's a lot of frozen blood. Yes. And particularly there's a shot that is very, uh, uh, I, I would say homage, but no, it's just stylistically uh, concurrent with what Carpenter does, of a man who has killed himself. He's cut his wrists, he's frozen to death, and the blood is... I don't know why I'm gesturing with my hands. This is an audio <laughs> podcast. The blood is dripping down his wrist, but it is frozen into blood icicles. Yes. And it looks kind of hokey, and it's terrifying. Yes. Absolutely terrifying. It's, it's the physicalness of it. It's This is why I, I, I can't believe people are not still trying to use practical effects in their mm-hmm. movies. There's If that were digital for... I don't know why you would do that digitally, but if it were digital... Uh, it would not have that physical presence in the scene with the actors. Mm-hmm. And the actors are our surrogates as an audience into this story. Uh, so for it to clearly exist in the same space as those actors... Absolutely. It gives, doesn't matter if it looks fake. Exactly. Because it is there. Exactly. It gives There's a physicality to that that you can't imitate with computers. And I think that's like when we, when we talk about the Star Wars prequels... Yeah. I, I I mean, the scripts are whatever. I don't really care about right. Star Wars that much. But I think one of the biggest things that hampers it is that in the, the original Star Wars trilogy, it's all puppets and yep. it's in screen. How do you get actors to act in a giant green room? Right. You can't do it. No. It's it's just, it's not, I mean, it's possible, but it's not probable. Yeah, no, everything and has to exist in the same exactly. physical space as them for it to be truly believable, mm. even if it is totally unbelievable shit. And you know what? I've never seen a guy who killed himself and is frozen to death right. and blood's dripping out of his wrists. How do I know that's not how Maybe it Maybe it does look like I that. I don't, but since it's a movie movie, they can show it however they please, Yes, and I'm going to buy it as long as it looks real. And oh, that yeah. tangibility is so key to that. Yes. So key to that. Uh, and it's funny that that is sort of our first example of the practical effects, is mm. just like some blood dripping out of somebody's wrist, right? Because the movie builds from that tiny little idea of like the littlest particle of blood to enormous monsters coming out of that right and monsters of any shape and form yes but we start with just the this little bit of blood dripping out of somebody's wrist and also the mystery of like this is a guy who you know it he didn't just you know this wasn't this obviously wasn't a cabin fever kind of situation immediately These guys didn't just fly out of that helicopter and kill that dog for no reason. There's a guy here who ended his own life. Right. A guy who walked in to do a job just like the one that our main characters are doing and is now sitting frozen to death of his own accord. Yeah. And that that's unsettling. Yeah. And before you even get a chance to think about it, we stumble onto some even more effective practical effects that come in the form of a half-man, two-headed, melted beast Yes. that could easily be what's left behind of a person who burned to death. Mm-hmm. I don't know what that looks like. But it's just a little too weird to be that. There's something off about it. And if you look at sort of the pile that it's in, Mm -hmm. it appears that there are more limbs than there should be. But again, it's not clear because it's all been burnt. It's interesting that you say when you look at it. We don't get to really look at it for more than a split second. Right. You know, we just know that there's a pile of dead something. Yeah. And we can assume that it's humans. Yeah. Because in a way, I guess it is. But we don't know. And it's it's burned. It's... uh, it's frozen. Yes. Yeah, it's yeah, it's yeah. all those things. And at this point, 
you would think, oh, something's up. Right. But these guys, they're immediate. You know, you, you don't want to go, ooh, supernatural. You don't want right. to think that. Right. And so our characters grasp at straws resisting to believe in something otherworldly. Yes. And so we bring it back to the camp. And, oh, shit, this is where it gets crazy. Yeah, this is They bring the... that back to the camp to investigate. And they don't really have a chance to investigate because all they can determine from this is that it is human. Mm-hmm. It does have a full set of organs. Mm-hmm. But we still don't know what the fuck it is. Nope. And then the dogs happen. Yeah. Well, because I think, if correct me if I'm wrong, uh, the, the it, it, I, I believe it's, is it Blair that does the uh, autopsy of, the, uh, of what they find? Yeah, it's Blair. I think it's Blair. He says, he's like, uh, his, his line about it, and I think it's so interesting, he's like... Uh, no, it's all normal. Like it's got a normal set of human organs. It's got you know heart, lungs, stomach. But I think he says something like, uh, "But it's all like in the wrong order" or something like yeah, that. Yeah. Like he says, like it's all like piled together in one place or something. It just, like it, it's normal, but it doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, w- which I love because you again now you have all these characters that are they're science minded, right? They're these these great scientific minds being like, well there's got to be an explanation for this, right? Mm. And they don't have one, but they're so willing to uh, continue without a real explanation because they don't want to uh, recognize what that might mean. And they only have as much information as we have. Right. And we only have as much information as they have. Which so is a as we're drawing thing. conclusions as to what the... Because like, we know there's a monster. That's the only thing we know more than them because we sat down to watch a movie called The Thing. Right. And so we know there's something up and we're trying to figure out now... What is it that this monster does? What is its hook? You yeah. Know, what What is the every monster has its method? Yes. What is the method here? Well, one of the brilliant things about this movie, I think it does truly make it a movie. Movie is we are left with very little information at the end of the movie. Yeah. As well, very to be true. honest, we we only get the information that the characters have. Absolutely. We get no extra information. There are no scenes where we see something happening that the characters don't see. Mm-hmm. That's not we. It's all through the lens of the characters and mostly through McCready's lens. Mm-hmm. So we only get that information we don't get any extra information which i feel like is something that happens in a lot of horror and sci-fi movies today which is you're you're given a lot of expository information that the Mm -hmm. characters wouldn't necessarily have i think people draw on that for horror too it's the whole don't open that door don't open that door because we know and whereas this it's not a don't open that door it's a what's behind that door should we find out or do we not want to know right right and we share that with the characters yeah and um Although this is one scene that at first we do get slightly more information. Oh, that's true. Because they put the dog. We see uh, from the dog's perspective. They say to to the one character, I forget who says it, but he says something to the, you know, why is this dog running around here? Put him in with the rest of the dogs. And as we said, we don't know what that dog's doing. Essentially, it is gathering information we know now. So he throws it in, and this is something that you will never, ever see anymore. Nope. Is fantastic animal work. Yes. Uh, Those dogs would have all been 100% CGI. Yep. This is phenomenal animal training. This dog pops into the dog cage, and immediately we know something's up. Because it's calm, cool, and collected, and every other dog around him is completely off-put by by the entrance of this dog. His presence there, yeah. And not in a way that it's territorial, like dogs fighting over one another. They're clearly afraid of it. It's that that second sight. Yeah. Yeah. And they should be afraid because as soon as our character leaves, yes. the thing shows itself. Yes. And um, and it goes to show the MO of the thing. It doesn't want to be seen. Right. Um, the thing does not want to be known. It just wants to spread. Yes. And it begins. Yeah. And so this dog starts spewing acid on other dogs, spitting out it cables and cords and tendons. It is one of the best oh, scenes in a movie. It, it's it, it's it horrifying. It's so... 
Oh my god, it's so effective because yep. it's so physical and it's it, gross. Oh, it's Ugh. disgusting. It's all these different like colors of liquid and just like every gross thing you can. Th- everything that grosses us out as people, tentacles, Ugh, uh, uh, like like liquids, right? Mm. You know, just like like but it's like, so goopy. Yeah, yeah, like unclear what it is. You know, just mm. like a liquid of some sort. It's completely uh, alien. Yeah, uh, and, great and puppet work mixed limbs, with real animal work. Right, like bizarre limbs. There's a lot of that going on as well. Like mm. the, that that. Uh, are not anatomically correct. Like all these things that really freak us out, uh, all combined in one creature. And it's all cute dogs yes. just getting oh melted and, yeah. and absorbed. And that's yes. that's the piece of information that we start to get is this thing isn't even necessarily eating other creatures, it's absorbing them. Yes. And that's what we know at first is that it's absorbing. Yes. And it's, oh, it's so gross and disgusting. And there's some great film techniques on display here that – now, once again, we'll be done with computers, and it's less effective. And one that happens a lot that we both pointed out was uh, just flipping the footage. Shot reverse, Doing it reverse. So instead of having, like, as these tentacles are exploding out, what makes it look so alien is that they clearly filmed it in reverse. And they yes. just drew all of these tentacles and arms back in and just flipped the footage. Yeah. And so now as they're shooting out, it has that weird feeling that a reversed footage has where it's unnatural. Yes. But... Because it's happening forwards and we accept it that way, it gives you that 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 feeling of just you're unsettled and you know that it's not human. Yeah, well, and and like you so said, real. We know that it's alien, so we can almost accept that that footage doesn't look right. Yeah, because uh, it shouldn't. It shouldn't right? look it, right. It's it's something else. I've never seen a dog absorb other dogs. Yeah, yeah. So who am I to say if it's fake or real? Right. It's effective yeah. and it works and it brings you into the movie. And it and is like crazy puppetry. I mean, it, it's clearly a combination of puppets and people in costumes and uh i would imagine that this was probably one of those sets where like they had built an entire floor above a room full of people mm. that are all setting off different effects and pulling oh, different yeah. wires and it's crazy it's it's, it's brilliant so, oh my god it's awesome and so we have here uh they start uh, they hear the dogs i believe it is yes and yeah because they're all barking and shouting they're all and, barking yeah. going nuts and so one guy comes in sees him sees that his dogs are all getting killed wants to know what's up doesn't know what to do and uh mccready yep. his first response is let's torch the fucking yeah, thing get the flame let's part. torch the whole thing yep. let's take my drink we're gonna throw it on the chest master exactly. done with it and they stay his hand for a second because the first inclination of the science-minded folk is let's see where this is going yes yes what's happening we don't know what this is yep. Let's figure this out. And then when it starts to break through the ceiling yeah. and become a little too big to handle, they decide, no, let's go for it. Oh, yeah. Let's burn it. Let's yep. torch it. And they have a method for it. Um, they're all well-trained. They torch, then they put out the fire, yep. and then they investigate. And even though they've never dealt with anything like this, they still are following protocol in a yes. way. They're not, they're not ready to just go and believe something crazy's happened. Right. But Blair, the doctor, one of the doctors, yes. he gets it right away. Yep. He immediately knows what's going on. Oh, yeah. And he's the first one to start losing his marbles a little bit. Yes. And now we were just discussing before this that he also may be one of the first ones to be infected. Yeah. And we won't we don't know this. Yes. But he is the first one to get it and the first one to kind of put it on the table that what we're dealing with here is not something that is normal. Yes, yeah, yeah. Well, he so they perform another autopsy. It's something they do pretty often in this movie actually. There's mm. probably four or five autopsy oh, yeah. scenes over the course Gruesome, of the movie. Gruesome, goopy autopsies. Uh and and this one is is fascinating because you've already seen the one where he's like, "No, totally normal. It's got all the normal parts of a human, but something is wrong with it." Mm. Now, this one he's like, "I'm pulling out parts from 
bugs. I'm pulling out parts from animals. I'm mm-hmm. pulling out parts from humans. He's like, I don't know what this is, but it is not strictly human. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like you said, he kind of gets it right away because then he runs his scenario on his... Uh, oh, I actually had a name of it. It's the show don't tell but. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, we should say that they also get some information, too, because they've brought back video footage from the Norwegian camp. Yeah. And so they know that something was dug out of the ice. Yes. And they see a giant crater that they dug something out of, and a short distance away from that, where they've excavated this creature. Yes. And um, we didn't mention this, but at the Norwegian camp, they do find a hollowed-out cube of ice. Yes. And so we can presumably assume that this creature came from that. But we also assume that it wasn't shaped like a dog. Right, right. And so something's up here. What does this creature do? And show don't tell bot is there to tell us exactly what this creature does. Uh, This is a little weak here. This is something that exists in this movie, and it exists... Actually, it also exists in The Fly. It exists uh, in a lot of movies from this time period. From this time period, because we weren't so tech-savvy as we all naturally are now. But we loved the the idea of of technology at the time. Absolutely. We're fascinated by it. And he runs this the cells through his show-don't-tell-bot cell program, even though actually this is more of a tell-don't-show-bot. Yeah. And it, it runs like this ridiculous uh, simulation of what it looks like when a cell absorbs another cell. Yep. And it's kind of funny because he literally just asks it verbose questions like, yeah. what will happen if blah, blah, blah? And it's like global infection in 48 <laughs> yeah. hours. Yeah. What the fuck? Yeah. But we accept it because this is stuff that we kind of already know a mm-hmm. little bit. And so this is just a real quick, clean and easy way to let one of the characters know what we know. I was going to say. from this point forward, we really do only know what they know. This is where we're cut off from having any sort of dramatic irony. Well, and that's the thing. We have an idea. That's the thing. Uh, hmm. We have an idea of what's happening. We may not fully grasp it yet, but we do. We at this point, we've got an idea. And we saw the trailer. Right. And we chose to see this movie. So. No, no, no. I mean, like, we even with the information in the movie, we've got an idea oh, of what's happening, but not a full picture yet. And then when he runs that scenario, it's I honestly think it's less to explain it to the audience. Mm. It's sort of like just a final nail in the coffin for the audience. Like, mm. let just 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 to be clear, this is what's happening. And, and it's also probably to show us that he but understands. It's more him. It's yeah. more about him and him having to come to terms with this idea that he is now faced with something unstoppable. Yep. Because I think that's the whole idea, is this character needs to feel backed up against a wall. Mm-hmm. Uh, this one character that probably could fully understand this needs to re- needs to grasp it in such a way that he actually loses his mind mm-hmm. uh, because the other characters do come to grasp it uh, not necessarily in as full a picture as he does uh, but they are able to some of them are able to keep themselves just a little bit collected absolutely he can't well they have still and they because they also haven't accepted the, yeah. the part of it you know they I feel like everyone has a little bit of leeway for that cabin fever. They all right. know it's going to happen. They're right. all already there. They've been there so long. Maybe mm-hmm. we're at no- war with Norway. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they've been there so long that they know things are going to get a little weird. Yep. Things are going to get strange, but you just ride it out. Yep. You, know, you just you put your jacket, you put your fur coat on, you yeah. just ride it out. Yeah. And so now there's something that can't be ridden out. Right. There's something that actively must be stopped. And so he starts to lose his mind for it. And I wrote down this one thing that they say, like they... Uh, um, McCready once again suggests to burn, you know, the the body that they have. Mm-hmm. And the one guy says, why burn it? Let's freeze it. This is the find of the century. Yeah, Someone's right. getting a, no, a Nobel Prize for this. And it's true because that's the first moment where they start to realize, like, hey, we have something here that is a little bit 
out of the it's out of this world <laughs> a little bit out of this world and yeah. uh we should hold on to it yeah and so there's still that hopeful glory and excitement that we've been here for two years mm-hmm. something new is happening yeah something's so about they're to come excited you know yeah. something's happening they're interested to learn they don't realize that it's that it that you know their hands are going to get dirty blair does yes yes and he's frustrated because mixed with this cabin fever he's got to prove to them like hey we can't just sit and wait this out we actually have to do something. Well, and he also realizes very... The, here's the other thing he realizes, I think, from that computer simulation that at this point, I don't think anybody else knows. Even if they've put together like, oh, it's like absorbing things and it's from another world, what they haven't put together is if that's what it's doing, it may have absorbed some of us already. Already. That's what Blair puts together in that moment at the computer that I think really makes him lose his mind. And I believe he was the one that said, hey, can you put that dog away? Yeah. So he was probably the first one to think, shit, that dog was everywhere. Uh And it was alone in a room with just about everyone here. He confronts Clark at one point, and he's Mm. like, Clark, how long were you alone with that dog? Mm -hmm. Because he knows. Mm. He he gets it immediately that that's what's happening. And, uh, you know, he loses his mind very quickly. But there's an interesting question when he does lose his mind as to whether... This is really just Blair losing his mind, or if this is the thing putting on an act mm-hmm. for everyone else. Well, I think at, at this specific point, it's just Blair. It's just Blair, and then because we leave him for a little bit, and there's the whole. And I wrote this down. Where's Blair? Oh, right, right. Because everyone starts to wonder where is Blair? Yeah. Where did he go? Yeah. And so we, as an audience, think, oh, he's you know he's trying to figure something out, right? But um, we have some theories based on clothing that I guess yes. we'll get into yes. that perhaps Blair has now become infected. Yes. Because we find Blair and he is destroying the communications yes. uh, in the name of, you know, just losing his mind. We've got to stop this. We've got well, to do this. Well, I think, so there is a rationale here where if Blair were human still, mm. I think his rationale is no, we need to destroy this thing and no one can know about this thing. Yes. So if we destroy communications and cut ourselves off completely, we can then just destroy this camp with this thing inside and be done with it, Mm -hmm. right? We save the world. Mm. That would be the rationale if he were human Blair, I think. Yeah, he's pulling pulling the suicide card. Right. It's happening. However, I think there's an argument to be made that this is actually the thing. And by putting on this act that he's losing his mind, he's one, convincing the rest of them that he's not the thing. Right, mm-hmm. because he's he's freaking out, and why would the why would the monster itself freak out about mm-hmm. the monster? Right, what logic is there in that? Uh, and two, if he's really the monster, he's destroying the communications. He is cutting them off, mm-hmm. right? Like because the monster would want to cut them off and make sure he absorbed them all, so he could then spread further. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that under either circumstance, this scene totally works and makes sense. It's totally sensible. Mm. Uh, But the question is what circumstances are actually occurring. And we don't know. And that's where the horror is derived from. Because this is where things start to to happen um, in terms of people starting to get it. Yes. Um, People uh, start to get it. Oh, and also uh, we should note this is where it's very clear that the – two-headed gross body thing that they're freezing is alive yeah because it moves yeah and so once again we are given a slight amount more information but it's only to serve the horror yes because we know that it's coming back yeah and um so they they subdue blair and lock him in the tool shed yes and it's downright hilarious yeah because they just you know it's it's wilford brimley yeah Yeah. it's diabetes going getting locked up in there and um the last thing he says as they lock him in which starts to get me to think you know, maybe he's not the thing, is he says, watch Clark. 
Yeah. Because yeah. he knows that Clark was alone with the dogs. However, we find out later that Clark is not... Definitely not a definitely thing. Definitely not a thing. Definitely not a thing. So again, now we can go back and say, well, maybe is this evidence of Wilford Brimley being the thing? Yes, maybe uh, he's just playing human. He's, yeah. Well, he's playing the chess game, right? Mm-hmm. It, it, we can think about it as a chess game. That would be a pretty brilliant Oh, chess turn move. the people against each other. Exactly. That's brilliant. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so he... Uh, and and also there's something that's neat here too is that uh, Clark is noticeably upset because he was the guy who loves dogs. Yep. And all his dogs are dead. Yep. And so we start to wonder: Is he upset because the dogs are dead and he misses them, or is he upset because he's the thing? Yes. And he just watched a portion of his himself get right, burned right. alive. And um, this is where people start to really mistrust one another. Yes. Because it which becomes, is the real uh, theme of the movie, I think, uh, and, and why it it uh, it really works mm-hmm. is like we said before: we're not necessarily afraid of the monster. We are. But the whole movie is more about trust amongst these men. Exactly. Uh, and whether any, if anyone could be the thing, uh, who can you trust? Mm-hmm. And how do you trust them? And how do you go about even solving this problem of we have to stop this thing before it gets off our camp? Because mm-hmm. logically, that presents a lot of problems. Absolutely. We might have to kill friends of ours that may or may not be human. Survival might... becomes their second option. Yes. Like the first option is we have to stop it. Yeah. And then it's survival. Yeah. And I believe this is where we lose Bennings. Yes. They actually see him getting uh, tentacled, wrapped up yep. by this escaped creature. Yep. And they start to put together, hey, it's going to absorb people. Yes. Well, because I think they see Bennings in mid-transformation, right? Yes. They see um, the one guy, Windows, sees them, sees him getting wrapped up. Right. And he says, it got Bennings, it got Bennings, it got yep. Bennings. And then they see this weird fetal, mm-hmm. gross Bennings being formed. Yep. And then it becomes, oh, shit, it is copying us. Yes. Um, how do we how do we know what's up? Well, uh, Giles has that great line. I think it's right after. I mean, the way they deal with Bennings is the way they've dealt with all of them. They burn him alive mm. out in the. Uh, and that's one of my favorite. By the way, the sound design in this movie is great too. The sound that Bennings makes when they burn oh, him horrifying. alive is horrifying. There's something oddly mechanical about it, mm. but it still feels organic. Mm. It's really oh, it's terrifying. It, it's that, like such an unsettling sound. The way you say mechanical and organic that perfectly describes what a virus is. Yes. You know, know it is alive it is organic but it doesn't feed or anything it just replicates yes. it's a machine for that and so it really does fit with that yeah and it's a um another thing too just on a technical level real fire throughout this yes. whole movie oh, yeah yep. there are so many uh one of the things i miss in movies is flaming stuntman just yeah. walking slowly <laughs> yeah. waving his arms yeah you don't see that anymore There's 100% a lot of, of fire you movie. see is computer generated and it sucks yeah it looks fake yep. this is real fire and real things on fire so when they burn this monster and you hear the crazy sounds yeah you feel that burn. It's physical. And it's totally physical. It's totally there. And it's surrounded. It, it really is a stark contrast to they are frozen solid. Yeah. And the only way to to fight within the confines of this literal freezer that they all live in is fire. Yeah. And that's all they have. And when that fire runs out, you know, nature is, is going to take care of it. So there, there's that, too. That's another enemy is that they're in the middle of a storm in the Arctic. So not only are they fighting this thing, staying alive and learning and trying to trust one another, they're also fighting the elements yes. completely. 
The thing is truly a song of fire and ice. Oh, my God. And here we are. <laughs> and that's our show, ladies and gentlemen. I got to go. Uh, <laughs> that's all for me. Uh, but uh, Giles has a great line. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's like the morning following the burning of, uh, of, of Bennings. Uh, he, he says like, okay, so uh, what does he say? He says something like, uh, if, if I, let's say I'm a thing, right? And I look and sound just like me. How do I know anybody else isn't a thing? Mm-hmm. You know, like what if I'm a, if I'm an exact copy? How do we know who's who? How do we know who to trust? Uh, which is the thesis of the movie. Uh, and but it's interesting watching the characters like have to spell it out for each other. Mm-hmm. You know, because uh, it's fascinating that after everything they see, they're still like they don't want to believe it. Yeah, you know, they don't want to believe they it. They have to. They start spelling it out for well, each to other. To believe that it's happening is also to admit that it could happen to you. Yes, yes. And that's the scariest thing. Yeah. Um, that's the scariest the thing. Yes. And it's it's not the monster that's scary. It's the fact that you might be accused of being the monster. Yes. And at that point, you have to accept the fact that the smart move is for you to be dead. Because how do you prove? How do you prove it? And you can't. And uh, there are some clues that they do... Uh, when it replicates, it cannot replicate clothing. Right. So that starts to become a theme is, you know, we find tattered clothing. Like they find yep. some ripped long johns, but it could be anybody's. Yep. You know, but they know somebody's been assimilated. And uh, this is the the mistrust really kicks in right here because they decide that a great way to figure out who is who is to test, uh, is to... Uh, was it test make blood? Make sure blood types yes, match. Yes, make sure because the blood they've types got match. samples of everyone's blood, just mm. in case it makes sense. If you're out there for that long a period of time, somebody might need a blood transfusion, whatever Absolutely. it is. So they've got samples of everybody's blood, and assumably, if this thing is absorbing all kinds of creatures and things, it would not. The blood type would be different, or somehow you'd be able to test that. It it's would be not, its blood. Yeah, right. It yeah. would be something else. Mm. Uh, so they figure we'll just compare the blood. But the blood has been sabotaged. Yes. And so this is where they realize, you know, let's, I, I forget how many of them there are left. Right, right. There's um, at least a dozen. There's, of yeah, them there's a point. dozen of them left. You look around and go, somebody had to cut this open. Yep. Meaning one of us standing in this room yep. has to be the thing. Yes. And that one of us is the one with the keys. And then, of course, it can't be made clear as to who has the keys because they've been passed around yep. and all that stuff. And there's a couple of people you suspect might have the keys. And that really ramps up the mistrust. Yes. And I wrote down this quote because this says so much. This is such a show don't tell. Uh, McCready, Kurt Russell, has a, has a line that both sets the stage and describes the, the second act of the movie. He says, and I quote, there's a storm hitting us in six hours, and we're going to find out who's who. <laughs> yeah. Meaning we're trapped, yep. and we got to figure it out. Yep. And I think that's really the act break there. Because mm-hmm. um, the second act is not about figuring out what the creature is no. or figuring out how it's figuring out who it is right. and how do we stop it. Right. And uh, one of the things that I think is really smart that John Carpenter does, I mean, his first movie was Halloween. Yes. And so he has, and, and still to this day, he's done other things, but his roots are in horror. Mm-hmm. And every shot from here on out of two or more characters interacting with one another are classic horror shots where we have yeah. someone in the foreground. Over their shoulder, you can see someone in the background. They're not aware of one another. You can play with the focus there. Yep. But these are classic predator Predity, predator and prey. I couldn't think of it. Predator. I, it's written right here. Predator prey uh, aesthetic, and they they play with this predator prey aesthetic, but they don't establish any good or bad guys. Nope. So at any point, any character can be shown as a potential victim as well as a potential predator. Yes, and it it 
as an audience member, that leads that makes you feel so unsettled because we're trained. When we see that shot, we go, oh, the person in the front's going to get stabbed by Michael Myers mm-hmm. over their shoulder there. But it's not. It's just two guys having a conversation. Yeah. But they don't trust each other. We don't trust either of them because we don't know if they've been infected. Every character spends as much time in front of the camera as they do spending you know, real-time passage away from the camera. Yes. And we don't know. So we become scared and just a, a, a shine to Carpenter's brilliance is he never frames somebody as good or bad. He frames everybody as a suspect. And the the way the camera works on that is just, it's terrifying. It's beautiful. And he lets his camera move away from every single character, mm-hmm. including McCready, for just long enough that as an audience, we can suspect everybody as well. Absolutely. We- Everybody's a suspect. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We lose everyone just long enough that we anybody could be the thing. And he gives us that great red herring of McCready finding his own clothes torn apart. Yes. Uh, which, now that I'm thinking about it, I kind of think maybe Blair did that somehow. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, if we, we, we know by the end Blair is part of the thing. Mm. Uh, and they've locked him outside. But by the end, it's clear that he was not trapped in there at all. He acted like he was. Oh, yeah. He, he was clearly free to move. Even the noose is just a ploy. Like, right. that's a great gag. Yeah. But uh, we'll we'll get to that too. Yeah, but, but actually, I do, that was my next uh, point on here was McCready's jacket. I do think that that is pro- now that I'm thinking about it. I think that that's probably Blair setting a trap for McCready. Absolutely. Yeah, make Absolutely. everybody else think McCready's the thing because he knows McCready is probably the real threat. Oh yeah, he knows McCready's the one person who will blow this whole fucker right. down. He's the, he's the one who will who will uh, he'll dump the drink on right. the chest. He won't chest lose master. the chest mask. He'll just take it down. He'll destroy it all. Yeah, and and. That that's a testament to how because and you said this when we were just watching it was how smart is this creature? Yes. And as it turns out, it's very smart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it understands these people. Yes. It begs the question: when it absorbs somebody, perhaps it gains their knowledge. Right. And because he does know immediately, McCready, you know, it's not like the creatures look at him like, hey, that's Kurt Russell, he's <laughs> right, the star. Right. It knows that it's that he's the one guy that will absolutely pull the trigger, blow yes. it up, and not care. Yes. And just go for it. And um. So yeah, to to turn McCready into a red herring is effective for us as the audience. Yeah, oh, absolutely. And it's also effective. He's for ostensibly the people there. our only hero. Yes, he's he, our only. He hero. is ostensibly our hero. Like you were saying, he doesn't paint anybody. Carpenter doesn't paint anybody good or a bad light. However, he does give us Kurt Russell as an well, ostensible a protagonist. Doesn't he, a have to be good. He's right. just the protagonist. I agree with yeah. you, but yes, he becomes our protagonist. So to then halfway through the movie go. Yeah, but he might be a thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that really, really turns it on its head as an audience member. Because mm. now, who do you trust? Exactly. Yeah. And he and it's weird because there's there's even a line where um, uh, McCready says to everybody, he says, I know I'm not a thing. Right, right. And if you were all things, you'd be attacking me right now. Yep. Since that's not happening, I know some of you are okay too. Yep. But some of you aren't. Yep. But the thing is, we can't trust that, right? Because he might be, and that's could be exactly a what a thing would say. Exactly, and exactly. It's terrifying, yeah. Because now, as an audience, we we have lost our hero. Mm-hmm. We don't know, and there are things that that make you. There are things that that allow me to side with McCready mm-hmm. throughout it, because there are certain things that he does that you go, oh, you know, a, a thing wouldn't do that. That's self destroying. But, um, However, I think the thing does self-destroy. I, I was thinking about this, too, and now I can't think of any specific examples, but I was thinking about that as the movie was going on, that I think there may be an instance or two of the thing self-destroying itself. Absolutely. Playing the game of chess. Because it's got to play that game of chess. Absolutely. And so here we have McCready, essentially, he's the... Uh, you know, he's the the black piece to the the white piece that is the thing, and yes, just yes. trying to win the game. Yep. And he can't even trust his own pieces 
because now it's at the point where they don't trust him yep. and he doesn't want to die, but he has to be aggressive mm-hmm. and he has to threaten violence in order to do that. And as a result, ends up killing somebody who it turns out isn't a thing. Yes. But uh, the next point I have here is pretty much from here we find uh, he goes back to visit Blair. Yeah. And this is a hilarious this scene. This scene made us both laugh so It's hard. so funny and kudos to, to Brimley for doing it. Yeah. He, He's he goes to check on him in the tool shed to make sure everything's okay, and he's in there, and in the foreground hanging there well, is just a. Hold noose. on, you got to describe that the way this whole shot is framed is there's just a little window yes, in yes. the door to the tool shed. It's just a little mail slot kind of thing. Just yeah. a tiny little window that McCready <laughs> opens up to see. Hey, are you okay in there? And perfectly framed in this little window is Wolfer Brimley sitting in his coat. And just a noose hanging in the <laughs> foreground over his shoulder. He's just happily eating canned goods. And his first response to McCready, which, again, we, we see as an audience, we see there's a noose hanging in the foreground. His first response is, no, I'm fine. Yeah. I'm, I'm fine. I can come back to camp now. I can come back to camp. Whatever it was, I'm all better now. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you even said this, he's like a kid. He's like a little kid. I'm all better now. Yeah, I'm all better. You can let me back inside. I'm cold out but here. But it shows how smart the creature yes. is because, because somebody we do who find feels out eventually. pity for him would, yeah. would let him in. Yep. And if all else fails, he can hang himself. Yeah. And when they bring his body back inside, yeah. he can just start replicating also, again. Also, this is a huge example of like the real chess match that's being played. Because, mm. by again, by the end of the movie, we find out Blair is a thing. Now, it's unclear. This We still don't know. You don't ever know when he turns into that thing, mm. right? There, there's no true evidence of when he might have turned from Blair to a thing. But I think it's reasonable to assume... That that is a thing. That's n- I've, I'm a hundred percent sure. Yeah, because even when uh when they when we do find out later, they still just go in the door. Yeah, you know, there's no hole in the wall yep. or anything yep. like that. So they I, just go in the door to find. I him. think it's reasonable to assume we're looking at a thing, and so that chess game is really at its height in that scene because you get two things. You get one, you get Kurt Russell who is unwilling to have that sympathy for him, mm-hmm. right? Like that, and, and it, because I think... And in he's the back, downright cold about it, oh, too. Oh, yeah, because uh. in the back of his mind, if this is the thing, I need to let it know... I'm not gonna. I'm Absolutely. not gonna fall victim and to, he can't to little games it. like this. You know, mm-hmm. like I'm not gonna. Fall, I'm smarter than this. I'm not gonna fall victim to this. But then on the other hand, you have Blair, the thing, ostensibly the thing at this point, who is still wearing a jacket, even mm-hmm. though he doesn't need it. If he's the thing, eating food, he's eating doesn't food, need even it. though he doesn't need it. He's got the noose hanging in the foreground to imply that he would that uh, death at one point did cross his mind as a mm-hmm. way out of this terrible situation he's in, which the thing wouldn't need to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's it's this incredible. It's the height of that chess game. Oh, absolutely. These two masters of this chess game. And like I said, if all else failed for the thing, he could easily have just hung himself. Right. That wouldn't kill the thing. And this might be the the scene that really proves... You almost said this might be the thing. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) This might be the scene that proves to the thing uh, that McCready is the one to contend with. Absolutely. And that's when we find later... That's exactly the moment where the thing starts burrowing out yes. of that, uh, burrowing out of the thing, yep. out of the, the tool shed. <laughs> There's no way to talk about it without saying it. Burrowing out of the tool shed. Because we know that it is capable of physical feats. Mm-hmm. You can't keep a thing locked up no. in there. No. But it was content to wait it out. Yep. Wait till all these guys kill mm-hmm. each other, and then he's good to go. Mm-hmm. But uh, this moment is where the Brimley thing realizes, and you're right, what Kurt Russell shows him is, McCready shows him is, uh, he's not going to be toyed with. He's not going to be outwitted. He will absolutely kill everybody if it means stopping this. Yep. 
And it also shows how far his character has come. He's accepted the fact that this is big. Oh, yeah. And that there's if this gets out of where they are, the world has ended. Yeah. Has completely ended. And this thing being 100,000 years old is content to just wait forever until oh, yeah. we destroy ourselves and then it's it's its world. And um, whatever, yeah, all I wrote down was noose gag, brilliant. <laughs> and now that we're talking about it like that, I don't realize how brilliant it is. Because oh, it's a great scene. It's a huge uh, plot point. Yes. But it's also a great light joke. Oh, yeah. And it, especially at this point where nobody trusts each other. It's dark. The movie's getting more and more cynical. It's a nice little light moment. And the great thing is I don't think Carpenter ever in this movie illustrates for us what the big plot points are. Like, I don't no, think you realize that scene is such a huge plot point until you sit down to talk about it like this. Yeah, until way to trust an audience. on it, you know? Mm. Uh, and, and exactly. So he trusts the audience to like, look, I don't need to beat you over. I don't need to browbeat you. Mm. Uh, and about... every movie nowadays does. Every yeah. horror movie has to paint out step by step every little thing the killer does. Yep. Um, I hated when... Uh, when Rob Zombie remade Halloween. I didn't see that. Um, the problem was with it, you take Carpenter's original Halloween. Yep. Michael Myers is evil. We yes. don't know why. We don't nope. know how. We don't care. He yep. just kills and we got to get away from him. Mm-hmm. That's terrifying. Yep. Rob Zombie has him as a kid. His mom's a stripper, drug addict. His dad's an alcoholic. They beat each other. And it's almost like, oh, I get it. That's why he's a killer. Maybe he's not so bad. Right. Fuck, fucking ruined yeah, the There should whole be thing. no sympathy for that evil. And so that's that's giving your audience all of this information that yeah. it's you're browbeating them like you said yeah. and whereas to hold it back lends to so much more depth without just painting the depth and the thing does that so deftly yes you know we don't need to know everything no we'll figure it out later yeah yep. but we gotta you know we gotta know what's happening yeah, well it's like you said this scene is like it now that we're talking about it, it's like oh that is such a big plot point like Absolutely. it really illustrates a lot of what's happening in this movie I ne- I until we had this conversation, I never thought I never about thought this of scene. It. When you way. said it's the culmination of the yeah. chess match, it is. It really is. It really is. Yeah, because from there on, because if you think about it, when you play an actual chess match, there is that moment. There's that one move that someone makes that everything after that is dependent on. Yes. Right. For a little while, it's like oh, I could take that piece, and he could take that piece, and I can take that piece, and he can take that piece. But there is one defining move that's like everything after this has to be completely and utterly calculated yep. in order for this to turn around. We're not cruising. And that that essentially is our act break for Act yeah. 3. Yep. Because that follows with the scene where we reset everything. Yes. We get to a scene now where we get to find out literally who's who. Yes. And it's a nice breather yep. for the audience, but it's very short-lived. Yeah. Um, it's a quick breather for the audience, an even shorter breather for the cast. But uh, you're right. From this point on, every little move has to be perfect. Yes. Because the thing is going to pull out all stops. Yes. And we have to stop it before there's no humans left. Yep. And so we go to find out who the humans are. And well, they... before we get to that, there is probably my favorite scene in the movie. Okay. Uh, because they have to perform an aut- autopsy on the guy that... De- so McCready, while he's outside... I think it's while he's outside visiting Brimley, isn't it? When he comes back inside, everyone's really frightened. They don't... Re- like, I forget why he goes out with Giles. Him and Giles go out. Giles comes back in alone and says McCready's still out there. And they assume that McCready has become the thing. Yes. Right? Yeah. And so then when McCready comes back inside, we as an audience are like, I don't know. Yeah, Maybe he's a know. thing. Maybe he's not a thing. Uh, and he challenges everybody. He's like, look, I know I'm not a thing. Everybody fucking calm down. And then one of the characters has a heart attack. It's a- ostensibly oh in the yeah, middle, yeah in the middle of all this commotion so they go to attack him with a scalpel and he right. throws him off and he has a heart attack right 
And uh, we find that this is not a heart attack. No, this is part of the chess game. Yes. Uh, this is the thing trying to I blend in. I love this in. chess metaphor. It's, oh, it's great. I'm glad we're doing this episode because I had never thought of no. this movie that I've loved so much and it's even better now. Oh, yeah, I know. I th- I, this is why I love this podcast. This is what we do. <laughs> uh, uh, so they so they do, they perform yet again another autopsy because mm. they've now got this other dead body. And you've got this guy giving uh, uh, chest compressions to the guy that has just ostensibly died. Uh, and then he goes and gets, uh, what are those things called? Uh, defibrillator paddles. Yes, defibrillator paddles. Puts it on his chest, electrifies him one time, electrifies him a second time. And one of the coolest practical oh, effects in the whole movie, it's terrifying. his chest opens up with teeth around it and just tears this guy's arms off at the yep. elbows. It's brilliant. And... And from there, hell breaks loose. It's some of the best practical effects you'll ever see. Mm. There, again, there are tentacles. There is goop. There is goo. They start lighting it on fire, and a head melts off the body and hits the ground. The head sprouts like spider legs. legs, spider legs, <laughs> and little stalks, and starts w- walking around. And then uh, uh, Palmer has like one of my favorite lines in the movie, where he just looks at this little head scurrying around on the ground and goes, "You got to be <laughs> fucking kidding me!" I think as as him being like kind of the stoner guy, yeah. that's really the first moment where he goes, "You know what? This is supernatural." Yeah. Whereas everyone else has accepted it. Yeah. He's a couple steps behind. Yes. He's all on board for the uh, we we can't trust each other. Yes. But when he saw that, it was like, "Oh shit." Yes. And uh, I love the idea of the head shooting out a tongue tentacle yes. and dragging itself around the lab yes. as it just pulls it in. That That's the kind of stuff that truly exists in nightmares. Uh-huh. That is completely nightmarish. And here we have real practical effects, yep. brilliant puppetry, goops and gleeps and dismemberments yeah. and real fire. Oh, yeah. All that fun stuff. It, and it happens so fucking fast. It happens so fast. It's so chaotic. Mm. But it's great because it's actually, again, it's a significant plot point Mm. this is not an action scene for the sake of an action scene which i I feel like again happens too often in movies today just because it looks cool they wouldn't make it yeah as cool as all this looks and as interesting as all of this is the whole point of this scene is it gives mccready an idea Mm -hmm. it gives mccready a way to figure out who is a thing and who is human and it's functional for the plot too because this is this is a real quick way to awesomely kill off two unneeded characters, yep. and we're down to our core ensemble cast. Yes, now. there's like five or six people left at mm. this point. Uh, but it gives McCready this brilliant idea, and it's brilliantly illustrated. What seems to just be all about being cool and scary, this head melting off a body and sprouting legs, gives McCready a very significant idea, which is we lit it on fire, and a piece of it immediately scurried away and tried to survive. Yes, which makes him think. That the, which makes sense that this is a virus. The whole idea is its only desire is to spread. So it's it itself, just as they are, is all about survival. Mm-hmm. That's all it actually cares about is making sure it survives. Mm-hmm. But its only means of survival is to absorb other things. Right? Absolutely. Uh, so he sees. And, I lit it on play fire. too with the uh, with the the thing here does have a change in strategy. This is the first time that it doesn't try to absorb somebody. When it opens up that stomach yes. mouth, it only wants to kill that other doctor. Yeah. It's not ready to... He's he's just cutting the human numbers. Right. He'll absorb him later. Yep. And uh, that's the chess game in full effect, yeah. is now the thing is just going, you know what? I can win this just by sheer I got to start taking pieces off the board. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. 
and, and, and you get uh, the other thing is it does change its strategy in another way too in that it does just try to survive mm. as opposed to hide it lets a piece of itself fall off and try and run away right mm. like it's done away with this whole hiding in plain sight thing and it's just like I gotta move I gotta make a move he mm. like McCready just made a pretty pretty good move like he probably just took one of his rooks you know what yeah, I mean yeah. and so now I gotta make a pull I gotta I gotta regroup you know uh, and but then it gives McC- again it's a brilliant plot point actually it's not just about this crazy action sequence it gives McCready the idea to uh, get a sample of everyone's blood just like out of their thumb and hold a hot needle to it and see if the blood reacts mm. because he just saw that every you, little cell will every react, little yeah. cell will react every it's about survival and so then you get another now you get a more psychological scene where again monsters are not what's scary about this scene what's scary is what these humans are doing to each other to try and figure out mm. who is who. And here's a little, um, also here, a little bit of trust is regained. Yes. Um, reluctantly so, because McCready has pretty much proved through torching this creature that he is not one of them. Right. Now, we know that's not necessarily right. true that because, be more hiding in plain you know, sight. it could just be hiding in plain yeah. sight and it was just going to cut and run and the little yep. spider head was going to get out of there. But, uh, you know, McCready has proved it and he is convinced other guys to be tied up so as yeah. to not attack, and he's going to take their blood and test it. Yeah. And um, oh, you know what I just realized? Palmer's line, you got to be fucking kidding me, is a brilliant chess move. Mm. Because Palmer is who turns out to still be part of the thing. Oh, yeah, that's true. Oh, you're right. So he's just acting the part of like, uh, oh, this is terrifying. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man, I never yeah. saw that coming. Yeah, yeah. You made it happen, you dick. Yep. And so we do this blood because scene. Because at that which point, is, uh, he's the last remaining piece of the thing. Mm-hmm. When they burn that head, that means Palmer is the... Oh, no, that's not true because Blair, Blair is still out there. But yeah. he's the last one in there. Yeah. And um, Blair's doing his own thing, burrowing out of the tool yep, shed right yep. now, trying to rebuild a ship. Yep. But we have uh, another great moment of humor here. Yes. Because this is an insanely tense scene. I yes. mean, even just the shots of the needle going ever so close to the blood, you're yep. like, what's it going to be? And all the characters are feeling that, too, because... You know, after, you, after three of them go by without any kind of reaction, it's like, well, what are you fucking proving? Yeah, this this could mean nothing. You yeah, know? We, but also too, when you're sitting there watching your blood about to get tested, anything could happen, yeah, and then you could just be killed by your friends. Well, because you know? here's know. here's another question uh, that I, that might disprove the point I just made about uh, uh, Palmer. Here's another question: If you are the thing, okay, let's say you are the thing, mm. do you know you're the thing? Mm-hmm. Or is it so much playing the part of being something else that ostensibly it is you? Oh, and it's just hiding until that challenged. Well. Very right? true. So, That's very true. So you still get we that don't know fright. that. We, you know, we you never still get that, that sweat and that fright uh, when when the when the needle gets close to the blood. You would still maybe yeah, would maybe still I am a thing fear, and it's time you know? for me to yeah, die. Yeah. yeah. That's wild. I never thought about it yeah. that way. But I mean, it definitely plays true. But they do some great stuff with humor yeah. here, too. Because as each person is, uh, uh, what's the word, uh, vindicated, yes. then it's just quick flash cut yeah. to them huddled up with the other people yes. who are there, pointing a weapon at the other potential yep. things. It's and, a, 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 When it's just McCready, everybody's so mad at McCready. Like, fuck mm. you, dude. This is ridiculous. Fuck you for thinking I'm a thing. And as soon as they're vindicated, they're right on his side holding yeah. another flamethrower at everybody Thank else. Thank God I'm not a thing. Yeah, yep. And what's beautiful here is now the thing itself has its back against the wall yes. and essentially tries to pull the uh, chess master move. Hiding in plain sight. Um, it, it essentially tries to do what McCready would do and just it knows that it's been found. Yep. And I'm just going to kill everybody real fast. Yep. And so it monsters out. 
uh, eliminates another cast member <laughs> by biting his head off and infecting him, and yes. they are once again taken down by fire. Yep. And we are left with four. Yep. Uh, four, four, yes. I think so, because we got Window. No, because Windows is who gets eaten, right? Yeah, Windows gets eaten. So it's, uh, it's Palmer is a thing. Yep. Windows so gets eaten. It's so McCready, we have... Giles. What's the cop's name? Uh, I can't remember. Uh, and who's the uh, oh the other black guy? I guess is left. It's, uh, yeah, it's it's a uh, Childs. Yep. Uh, McCready, uh, token black guy. Yeah. And uh, the funny cop guy, Gary. Uh, we'll call him Gary, <laughs> and he has the great line where he just doesn't want to be tied oh to the my chair. God, the best. Which brilliant, brilliant staging too, because it's functional to the plot that they be tied up so yes. that the thing doesn't out itself. But it also adds to the tension when the thing does out itself. These two dudes are tied to it. They're tied to it, and so the, and there's nothing they can do except yes. hope that they don't get hit by this flamethrower. Well, and that guy's I think his character's name is is Gary. His delivery of his line after they find out he's the last one to oh, see yeah. if he's the thing or not. His delivery is great because at first it's it's so unassuming. It's so uh, oh, yeah. it's so small. Like he's just like, gentlemen, uh, if you wouldn't mind, if you could find says, the I time. I know you've seen a lot of shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I know you've seen a lot of shit today. But if you could find the time, perhaps you could let me off of this fucking couch. <laughs> I don't want to be tied to <laughs> this fucking couch. And once again, the fact that they use real fire there, yes, it it totally is effective. Yep. And uh, as this is happening. The fire also in the chest thing represents when you sacrifice a pawn. Mm-hmm. They're sacrificing their their protection against nature yep. just to stop this thing. And um, this is where we get to the final the final yeah, scene. Yeah, this is the uh, this is where it's okay. It's time to go check on uh, on Blair. On, uh, Blair. Yeah. And when they go to check on Blair, it turns out he's been a thing for a long time, and he is burrowed out of the tool shed, is under the whole base in a cavern, and trying to a- attempt to construct a spaceship, <laughs> which reveals how strong this creature is. How smart it how is, smart because it apparently is. all it needs is helicopter parts and uh, snowcat parts to travel back into space. But it also shows that at this point, it would be happy to just leave. Uh-huh. Yep. It would be happy to leave. Oh, because uh, um, I do, at the end of this movie, I've thought about this before. I've seen this movie so many times, I've thought about this before. At the end of this movie, it is just about survival on yes, both parties. Absolutely. It is strictly about survival. It They've just so happens that the way this thing survives is through assimilation. Yep. That That's its means of survival. And so at a certain point, it just decides, fuck it. Oh, yeah. I'll go elsewhere and assimilate to something else. And McCready says something early too, because I mean, a little bit earlier on, he hits the conclusion that it would be fine. It it would be totally happy if we were to just die and it waits for the rescue crew. Yeah. You know, but we also see that it's creating a backup plan. Like it would be happy to do that, but if these humans turn out to be a little bit more than I bargained for, yep. I'll just hop in my new ship and bounce to a new spot and start infecting there. Yep. And so we've reached a point. Also, for the humans, when they see that, they know, like, we have to kill it. Because yeah. if it leaves, it's only a matter of time before it finds us again in some other way. Yeah. And so this is this is our big, final, literally explosive set piece. Yes, yeah. And, um, Where they just they burn the fucking cool set that they built to the ground. There's a great special effect here when um, it is revealed that Blair is oh, yeah. a thing. He grabs uh, Gary, yep. as we're calling him, in I the face. I And... He uh, his fingers just start to immediately absorb into his face, yep. and we see how quickly and actively this creature acts. But it's also a great practical effect because mm-hmm. when you have this monster whose arm is essentially just connected Has to a now head become and dragging a, yeah, it around, yeah. oh, it's so good. We see how quick this is, and um, McCready here is now essentially the only one left because yeah. everyone's missing. Yeah, 
or well, because uh, so him. when they went to go look for Blair, mm. they lose track of Giles. They Childs. leave Childs. Yeah, Childs. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, they they lose track of Childs because he they leave him inside the base and say like, hey, just watch out if Blair comes back without us. Yes, kill him. But then they find no Blair. Turn around to see someone exiting the base. Mm-hmm. Is it Childs? We don't know, and they don't know. They assume that it is, but I think actually it's more realistic that it's probably Blair mm-hmm. uh, that they see running across because it cuts the power, mm-hmm. uh, which is the final straw for them. They're just like, this is it. Yeah, It's done. If, if it's cutting the power, it's trying to suss us out. We need to suss it out. Yep. Uh, this is where essentially uh, McCready says, I'm, I'm dumping I'm my drink pour, on the chess master. Yep, I'm going to pour I my drink to do on it. the chess master. So they've, uh, they're, they're, then they go under there with the idea of just, we're going to dynamite this whole place. Yep, yep. and Let's they decide to line the uh, like the basement of the place. Like They blow a lot of it up first, but then they decide to line the whole basement because there's a generator mm. down there to just take it all down. Yep. Uh, which results in Blair finding the other two. Uh, the token black guy whose name we never learned. Uh, and that's so awful. I know. And uh, <laughs> that's, it's sad, but that's really the his character is really the only one that is like a solid trope. He, he is because he know. really he does not have a lot of dialogue. They I don't even, he's the cook I think right. He's the rollerblading cook. Yeah, he's the rollerblading cook. <laughs> and he's actually in like every eighties horror movie yes. too. He's like the best token black guy there <laughs> ever was. He's in everything. He's great. He's truly the token black guy. Yeah, he's literally the original. Yeah. That's funny. Uh, and, uh, and and they both get assimilated to leave McCready, ostensibly left, mm. uh, to try and blow it up, uh, which he does. Yes. Uh, we get a cool, we get a very cool effect. This might be the only truly special effect, if you want to call it like a non-practical effect. I believe that that tentacle at the end, the really big one, is like a, one of those like inserts. Remember yeah, they used to do like the claymated in camera, inserts? But it's definitely a claymated insert. Yeah. yeah. Uh, still still looks great. Still looks better because with claymation, that's clay. It's that's physical. tangible. It's physical. physical. It exists. Yep. And whereas nowadays it would have just been some gummy looking CGI. Yep. yep. Um, as evidenced in the prequel, it's yeah. the most gummy CGI oh, and they ever do, seen. You know, they do a great practical effect down there, which is just the floorboards coming out. Oh, classic. It's a great classic practical stuff. effect. That always reminds me of another great practical effect monster movie from the 90s, Tremors. Yes. Which I'd yes, love to do I an episode on. I love that movie. Yeah. Great flick. And it definitely owes a huge, a huge uh, thanks to uh, the thing. Yeah, yeah. And that's a great effect because it, it shows how big this creature is, yep. how unstoppable it is. Yep. And this is the creature calling Checkmate. Yes. And uh, Oh, yeah. And it really calls Checkmate because it, it, it fully reveals itself. Yes. It's one of the coolest giant things. Creature, the it's dogs giant creature. It's giant creature. Dogs burst out of it. All kinds of things burst out of it to show you exactly what this thing is and does. Mm. Uh, finally, right? Uh, and, and McCready burns it all to the ground. Burns it all to the ground. And he and what's great is he says out loud what he was clearly thinking when he dumped his drink on Chessmaster. He yeah. says, "Yeah, well, fuck you too." Yep, and which is totally his character. Yes, after having to delay his natural urge to just say "fuck it" mm-hmm. and sink the ship with well, him. That's the thing; it's he clear he wanted to, to do this halfway through the movie. Oh yeah, that was his solution. But he needed to continue playing the chess game because Absolutely. there's always a fear. I think I think what it is is there was always a fear on his part that. One of the other chess pieces would somehow survive if he took it all down too fast. Yes, and also too, the, he uh, he didn't want to kill his friends. There was a general right. camaraderie right. amongst these yep. guys. He didn't want to accidentally kill them, and, yeah. and he ended up having to. Yeah, and so now it's just the point where it's like it's you and me. Yep, you're clearly winning. Yep. So you know I'm gonna knock the monopoly board off the table, yep. and I'm gonna take it and go home. Yep. 
And he does, and it's beautiful. Oh, it's great. Huge explosions. Yep. Uh, nothing more effective to me than an explosion in the middle of ice. Yeah, yeah. And he basically sits down to die. With his frosty and, beard. Uh, with his awesome frosty beard. <laughs> yeah. Brilliant, brilliant effect. And then who shows up? But Childs. Childs. And this is something that's of huge debate amongst yes. a ton of, of film uh, scholars, if you will. Yes, yes. Is, is Childs infected? Yeah. And we don't know. Nope. And Kurt Russell doesn't know. Nope. And Keith David doesn't know. Nope. And so they just sit down and decide to literally, let's see what happens. Yeah. Uh, It's such um, a great ending. It's so bleak. It's so bleak. It's such a bleak ending. Because because whether one of them is or isn't, they're both dead. They're both dead, Um, for sure. If one of them's the thing... It's not dead. It'll just freeze. It's going to freeze again. But uh, that's that's wild. Yeah. Should we discuss the theories behind I, this? I think so, because there's yeah. even still a question as to whether MacReady's the thing at that point, too. Yeah. Uh, I don't even think it's just a question of whether is Childs the thing, but is MacReady also the thing? Because, mm-hmm. again, if the thing is playing that chess game, right? I know. I think there's a pretty significant argument to be made that no, he's not the thing. He just blew everything up. Why would he do that if he was the thing? But I still think you could say that the chess game that's at play is a reason he might do that. Still mm. hiding in plain sight, right? Like mm. burn this whole thing to the ground. So if anyone were again to find the remnants of all of this, they oh, yeah. would assume that it was all taken care of. Oh right? yeah. Well, they would just see McCready and say, "What happened here?" Yeah. And then he'd be like, "Well, you know." <laughs> Exactly. Boom, exactly. Done. Exactly. And so that's a smart move on the things part. Exactly. I personally don't think McCready is a thing. I don't either. I I, I, think, I do think Childs is. I do too. So why don't you explain why we think that uh, that may be the case? There's a theory going around, and um, there's actually a really we should probably link to it. Uh, yes, yes. On uh, on uh, the website, there's a a film a film scholar who did a dissection of of the thing, and he covered a whole bunch of different things. Yes things and um <laughs> one of the things that that he goes over in this thing is uh the clothing changes yeah the clothing and thing. uh when when the thing attacks you and assimilates you you have to get new clothing because yeah. it rips yours to shreds when childs is before he separates from the group he's wearing one thing when he shows up uh at the very end to confront uh McCready. McCready, I just want to call him Kurt Russell. Yeah. Snake Plissken. When he shows up to uh, to confront Snake Plissken, he's wearing an entirely different thing, and um, which it's, you can take either way. Yes, uh, he's got a navy blue jacket on through mm. a majority of the movie, uh, and then in a that, movie that really is good about keeping the wardrobe similar. The details are very. Um, they're they're what's the word I'm looking for? They're distinct details that are very clearly well thought out. Yes, there. I don't think there are any continuity snafus. Yeah, no. uh, it would not appear that there are at any other point in the movie. So for at the very end, there to be this continuity snafu of like, up oh, his jacket changed from blue to beige. Mm. Uh, seems highly unlikely. It seems Whoops. like a very conscious choice. That when we see Childs again, he's wearing a different coat. And especially because there's multiple establishing shots of the coats hanging. And, and they always change. And they straight up talk about it in the movie that this thing does shed yeah. clothing. That it's, it's talked about in the movie that clothing is important. Now, the argument stands that when he shows up, 
uh, McCready says, you know, basically, hey, and this is a, this is also what makes me think that McCready is not a thing. Yes, is because he's still playing that game. Yes, because he clearly suspects that Childs might yes. be, so he doesn't outright attack him nope. because that would basically be him versus the thing, and he loses. Yep. So he plays a smart card. He pulls out the booze. Yep. And says, you know, how do I know you're not one of those? Well, how do I know you're not one of those? And he yep. says, well. Let's just see what happens. Yep. And he hands him the booze, and Childs takes a swig. If Childs were not a thing, he would be against taking that swig because be it's an suspicious. easy way to get infected. Yep. Now, it could just be a lapse in judgment yep. on his part because he's been through a lot of shit. But at that point, as soon as he takes the swig, McCready gives him this look and laughs to himself. like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he's still wearing his flamethrower. Yep. At that moment of his realization, and hopefully our realization... The music kicks in and we roll credits. Yep. And so we can assume that perhaps from there he torches him. Right. Or the thing pulls, smashes the bottle and absorbs Kurt. We don't know. We don't know. And that's beautiful. It's uh, This movie is one of the things I love about it is it's the tiniest apocalypse, mm-hmm. but possibly the most apocalyptic apocalypse movie of I've ever time. seen. Yeah. Uh, but it's, it's, funny. But it's in the tiniest apocalypse. way. It's the tiniest that. apocalypse. Yeah. Uh, and I, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't even know what to say uh, in like review of the movie. You know, like I, I like that the way we've taken the show is to just sort of like dissect it piece by piece. Mm. But when I think about it as a total, as a whole, it's hard to say why I love it so much. Because uh, like on a thematic level, it's interesting. On a story level, it's interesting. I think this whole like chess game uh, uh, theory that we've come up with makes it even more interesting to me thematically. Mm. What I really love about this movie that makes it so much a movie movie to me is the effects. Oh, That's the thing the that stands out to me above and everything they stick else. stick with you forever. In review of this movie, that's the thing that I... Th- that's the ah. thing I would talk about most. The thing I would point to to be like, that's a fucking movie movie. Oh, yeah. Aside from the story, which I do think is great, and aside from the themes, which I do think are great and interesting, the, he just made this visually stunning movie with real effects, with real things that are physical. It's it, I... I I always hold this movie up to people when when the when because I do still sometimes get in arguments with people that still think oh, oh computer, they go fake computer effects have have enhanced movies so much I don't think that's true I mm. I always point to this as the prime example of like no you can make a better movie you can make a movie that makes us feel something mm. more than than movies with with great uh, uh, computer effects do absolutely um, I think at its heart it's a creature feature yes this is part of like I said that block of remakes that were all just creature movies back yep. in the day creature movies back in the day existed because people figured out novel ways to create a monster yep. and thusly they were like well we'll just make a movie around that idea yep. now here they've taken that movie that was made around just a simple you know it's like when, whenever we learn a new effect you see it pop up in a million yeah. movies the car hitting from the side it's yep. everywhere now we're yep. trained to see it as people learned how to create you know a, a monster then they just built a movie around it now we have the luxury of this monster exists. We can create a compelling plot around yes. it. But more, more than more than ten times, I've shown this movie to people, and especially during the stomach scene, uh-huh. my reaction is, "Look at that! Yes, look at that! That's insane!" It's and so incredible. Nothing, nothing else uh, elicits that. And um, I think what I would say in summation about this movie is. All things aside, whether you care about how deep the plot is, whether you care about how good the performances are, and even how you know interesting the special effects are, is it's so much fun to watch. Yeah, 
it's movies existed originally as just a distraction. Yep. And if your distraction happens to have more meat on its bones, all the better. And this mm-hmm. does. But at the very heart of it, for the whole, say, two-hour running time, it's a blast. Mm-hmm. It's it's a creature feature. You you just get that feeling. It's just a great movie. You you want to stand up and cheer when you're done with it. It's something that you can show people. It's something you can share. And it's this movie is part of the cultural zeitgeist. Amongst other film people, they do hold this up in that same lens that we do. We still put it on the same pedestal of this. Look at that. Yeah. It's amazing. And it's just a blast to watch. And, you know, I think they had fun making it too. This oh, yeah. Is, it's so weird. It's so weird to have adults play pretend. Mm-hmm. And this is just adults playing pretend in this crazy, weird monster movie yeah. with t- walking spider heads and just gore and fire and. You know, it's it's amazing. That Dogs walking are spider head might be my favorite thing like ever in a movie. It says everything that needs to be said about this movie. Yep. It doesn't pull any punches, and uh, that yeah, I'm rambling, but that's that's my thing. Is this movie's fun? That's your thing. It's fun as shit. That is my the thing. <laughs> that is Dan Scully's the thing um, about John Carpenter's the thing is that it's just fun. Yeah, it's, it's so much fun. It's a fucking. I, this movie is astounding. I. I it, if for some reason you're listening to this and you've never seen this movie, I promise you, even even us having described the entire plotline of the movie to you, you will be so enthralled when you sit Absolutely. down to watch it because you can't imagine what the things we're talking about actually look like. You get you have to sit down and watch this. Absolutely, and it's something that gains on repeat viewings. Oh my god! Because even now, when we just watched it this week. Probably my twentieth time seeing this movie. Oh my god, I've seen it so many times. And even just talking about it now, when we turned on the mics, there was things that we discovered about it that, yes. that we hadn't known. Yep. And I guarantee that I'll watch it again and again, and still find more. There's going to be more and stuff. I think that that's a out. real sign of a movie. Movie. Oh, yeah. Not only does it use the you know because the movie experience in the theater is great, but mm-hmm. the movie experience as we know it now is. You can watch it again and again. Yeah. There's movies that I like that I'll never see again. Yep. But the movies that I love are the ones that I purchase, yep. that I want to show my friends, that yep. I say, you want to come over and watch The Thing? And we, and we will, and we'll love it. And you know, you can say the lines along with it and all that, but it's not going to take away anything. It's it's awesome. Yeah. It's just awesome. It's I a movie fucking, movie. I love this movie movie. Yeah. This uh, is, I'm proud of this episode yeah. already. This... Uh, it's and I think it's just because I love this movie so much. Out of all the episodes we've done, I think this is my favorite movie. Um, I would agree with that. Actually, you know, yeah, this is as much as I love Back to the Future. Yeah, until we do Back to the Future Two, the thing has it. <laughs> that's, uh, that's me. Uh, yeah, uh, I think we should call it an episode. I think we're what we're finding out is we don't know how to end this. <laughs> uh, we kept this pretty tight. <laughs> we did, but um, we should uh, definitely. Uh, oh, we talked about this. Recommend something. Something that you've seen oh, recently. Oh, uh, recently. Okay. Uh, what Do you have something in mind? Uh, you, sh- you should go because I, I don't have anything in mind right now. I um, think real quick. I'm to think of something that I watched recently that I would uh, suggest that you either go see or check out. Um, well, oh, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this. I, uh, and I think I might have recommended this before, but I'm going to throw it out there again because I think that it fits uh, very much into the theme of this show. Uh, you should go onto Netflix and watch The Bay. Okay. Um, the Bay is Barry Levinson's take on found footage. Okay. But it's a found footage infection slash monster movie. Okay. And I'm over found footage. Yeah. And this is a very adult take on it. It plays like a documentary about something that happened in one weekend weekend in a sleepy little town. And um, much in the same way that the thing doesn't really let you know what's happening until you need to know what's happening, 
this is one of those that as the story progresses, it's more and more gross and surprisingly realistic. But I guarantee you, you could read everything about it and you'll never be able to guess what the thing of it is. Oh, interesting. And um, they only let you on a little bit. And by the end of it, I was I was scared. I was uh, uh, enthralled. I was shocked. And on top of that, there was kind of a social message that hit me. And once again, it's just, it's a lot of fun. It's, oh, cool. uh, it's a cool movie, and it is on Netflix. Uh, I'll totally check The Bay, it out. it's really neat. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and recommend a movie that we saw together recently, Gravity. Oh, yes. That is for sure a movie movie. Uh, I will say it is not without its problems, I don't think, mm-hmm. but it is so astounding. Uh, the way it's made, the way it looks... Uh, how absolutely intense... I mean, it's about one of my greatest fears, so it was very intense for me. Uh, But I I think it would be intense for anybody. It kept me on the edge of my seat. Especially, and I think you should see it in its intended format. Yes, IMAX IMAX 3D. 3D. If you Uh, can't... At the very least, go 3D. I, I got to tell you, I don't normally recommend seeing something in 3D. Neither I, do I. It's, it's rare that I see a movie that I think 3D actually enhances it. Uh, you should see this movie in IMAX 3D. See it on the biggest screen you can find and see it in three dimensions. Mm-hmm. It uh, there There is at least one scene I can think of that I, I can't imagine would be nearly as, fec- as effective if you didn't see it in 3D. Oh, yeah. I was literally dodging out of the way of yes. things and couldn't help it, even nope. though I knew it wasn't real. And that's a movie movie if it can enthrall you in that oh, much. Oh, my God. It is. And that's a great use of CGI-enhanced practical effects. I would agree. Because this was shot essentially all green screen, mm-hmm. but you can tell... And you can see, I mean, there are actual literal things that they did to prevent that from being an empty, vacuous thing. There are shots in this movie that I don't have any fucking idea how they oh, yeah. accomplish them. There there are definitely shots. And that's not to say I'm like some super genius about watching movies. Like, I know how they did that. Mm. Uh, but I, I do, I think there's something to be said for guys like you and I that have watched a lot of movies. Uh, you can see the seams at a certain point. Mm. Uh, I, I, I don't know how he accomplished some oh, of the yeah. things he accomplished. I think the movie. only seams at all are in the script. Yeah, And it's exactly. so minimal anyway. Like, oh, my it's God. really yeah. an amusement no. park right yes. of a movie. And yes. that's not to say the script is bad. No. I feel like you have to give it something yes. so it's not just space yes. survival. And I think they did a well enough job with yeah, it. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, uh, totally fine. But it's uh, see that movie. I, I mean, if you if you are a film fan at all, Mm-hmm. see that movie it if you're does... a film fan at all you've seen that movie yeah that's true Alfonso Cuaron is is the best yeah so good yeah uh, hopefully it doesn't take him another nine years to make a movie I hope it takes him 15 years and we get another masterpiece it's true if it's it takes true. him that long to create I say go for it that's true uh, all right, I think I am ready to call this one. Uh, my name is Garrett Smith. Oh, no, hold on. We got to do plugs. We never do plugs. Let's do oh, some yeah, plugs. Yeah. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Philadelphia. That's with an F. Uh, you can find our show on uh, Twitter at I like the number two movie. I like two movie. That's uh, also the Facebook. That's also the Facebook. Find us on there. Follow us. Uh, tweet at us. Tell subscribe us what you like, iTunes, don't like. Please. Yeah, subscribe on iTunes. You can find us on there. Uh, and, and please interact with us on Facebook and Twitter. Like, let us know a movie movie that you want to recommend that yeah, maybe we, would we love should to check out and you. do an episode of. Uh, and uh, uh, if you're in Philadelphia and listening to this, we're we're both stand up comedians. We do comedy all the time. I run a show on Tuesday nights at Medusa Lounge called We Do. Uh, I'm doing a show at the end of December at World Cafe called uh, All Bets Are Off. I'm on, on that show first. Dan's on it uh, with a bunch of other great Philly comics. Come check us out if you're in the Philadelphia area. Uh, Dan, you probably have a Twitter and things um, you want to plug. I also just want to plug, uh, this is where we do movies, but Garrett also does Trailer Trash, where yes. we talk to local comedians about 
um, about movie movies, trailers. essentially. Uh, yes. And uh, Dan has a podcast. Yes, yeah, Super Crappy Fun Time. You can check that out at supercrappyfuntime.com that I uh, run with the illustrious Kevin Lau. Yes. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Dan Scully, and you can also check out my blog. That's where I write movie reviews and talk about movies. Um, it is thedanscully.tumblr.com. Um, you can pretty much get everything you need about me from there, but check that out. Check out Super Crappy Fun Time, and uh, like uh, Garrett said, interact with us. Let us know what you want to hear. Yeah, because um, we'll do whatever. We're open for anything, and uh, we're really trying to push this and work on some new stuff. And we've got some cool surprises in the future. Yeah, so there's... definitely keep downloading them. And if there's a movie that you have watched and you want to hear about. Uh, recommend it to us yeah because we may not have seen it or we may love it and we may already be planning to do an episode yeah um, we we don't we don't wish to be exclusive we wish to be broad enough that you can share in our love of movies absolutely that's the whole point of the show let's let's get together and talk about why movies are great and why we love them uh, not why they might be shitty that's, yeah fuck that's, that. yeah uh, so my name is Garrett Smith and I like to movie movie my name's Dan Scully and I like to movie movie we're gonna go ahead and assume that you like to movie movie you do you do we, we like, like to, to movie movie <laughs> Oh, there's no way to do that, right? <laughs> That's the best. <laughs>